and welcome to Saladcast. Uh, we are sitting in the meadow, Ollie, <laughs> and we've just done an interview with someone. So, would you like to discuss who it was? Yep. So we've just done <laughs> an interview with Sam Ricketts. Um, really, really um, insightful, engaging conversation with the mm. manager. Um, I think it's fair to say we asked some of those tough questions that the fans will want to kind of hear the answers to. Yeah, I think so. Um, but at the same time, we kind of asked some other questions which you, know, you wouldn't hear normally, but the kind of questions that fans will want to hear the answers to. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he started off on a good one because he brought us a drink and a magnum. He did, yeah. We sh- it's almost, I f- almost feel like it's the tax office. We should declare that he came in to butter us up with a magnum. He didn't really. It was absolutely roasting hot day today in Shrewsbury, and uh, he bought us a bottle of cold water from the training ground and a magnum. So much appreciated that. And um, yeah, it was, it, was not, it was an interview, but it was also uh, what I feel like was what it should be, really, for our podcast, which was three blokes having a chat about football. One of them turns out to be the manager of Shrewsbury <laughs> Football Club. And, it was good because he wanted our opinions and, and we, we had a two-way conversation about certain things and, you know, Recall Pike and, and Jason Cummings and lots of things through it um, to do with tactics and stuff, which hopefully everyone will find fascinating. So, yeah, we, we do thank him at the end of the podcast, but we should also thank Brian for letting us come in and use the meadow now. We seem to be the only people in here. I, I think we could have the run of the shop right now, Ollie. <laughs> do you want a beer? Um, yeah, we're right in the Sovereign Club. The bar's open, Ollie. Um, but we should thank Brian, as I said, thank the club for letting us use it and, and Sam for a, a precious hour of his time during pre-season because one thing I think will come across from this conversation is, yeah, we've all got our thoughts about what Sam Rickers has done at this football club, but it, it is quite clear to me for the third time, having met him personally, that the man lives and breathes football and he won't tr- won't fail at his football club for want of trying, let's leave it at that, you know, the man's going to put everything into it and I think it's a, a fascinating listen. Yeah, no, I think he definitely enjoys being true town manager. Um, the clubs yeah. as he will come on to some of the questions so yeah I think it's a really interesting chat um, he's finally answered my question about where certain players play so that was fun at the end yeah he has also addressed some of our long-standing Salopcast issues but we can't mention those on the podcast <laughs> but um, yeah nothing too serious to be honest with you some, some of the jokes that we have but yeah brilliant hopefully everyone enjoys listening to it um, hopefully if, if it goes well it might be the start of being able to get a bit more access to the club and players but um, yeah enjoy the podcast so hello and welcome to this sal- we always do that. That's fine, yeah. Sorry, I was just trying to remember. I was trying to say an episode number, but I thought this is an episode, is it? Yeah. Um, so, hello and welcome to this special salad cast. And we're here at the new meadow, the Montgomery Waters Meadow, as we should call it, Ollie, um, with a special guest. Who have we got this week? Sam Ricketts. So, welcome to the podcast, Sam. Cheers, thank you for having me. First manager coming on the podcast. So is it? It's the first for us yet. Yeah, very brave. Gold medal then, thank you. <laughs> um, so yeah, so we've got a few things we want to cover in this podcast, Ollie. We're going to look back at last season a little bit. Um, we're going to talk with Sam about COVID and the issues with potentially what's going to be happening this season. And uh, then we're hopefully going to look ahead with Sam as to, to what we're really looking forward to this season. So before we do, probably just an introduction to Sam. I know everybody knows him now. He's got his feet under the table at the Meadow and uh, he's been here a while now, Sam. But we wanted to ask you some questions really about you know your life in Shrewsbury and, and what you make of the club really, Ollie. So. Yeah. Yeah, go on. So, yeah, starting off, so, so obviously you had expectations of Shrewsbury, and I imagine some of your friends in football obviously gave you a bit of an insight. Um, but is the club what you kind of expected? Uh, yes and no. Um, yes, in terms of, uh, um, from an outside looking in, the um, the way the club was run, um, the fan base, and um, what I've always said, that I think the club has potential, certainly big potential in terms of what is possible. But... Also, I think it's better than what I thought as well. So it is probably run better than I thought it was. I think mm. the people, you never know before you go and work in any industry or any job, you don't know what the people are like who you're going to go and work yeah. with. And I couldn't ask for better people to work with, and the chairman and Brian especially above me. I think they're very, very good. Very um, close ties with the supporters like yourselves. And, um, and really, I've not really seen a club which tries to involve everyone and work as one as much as what we do here um, and that's a real big thing for me as well 
and obviously on top of that, then you've got the community side with Jamie Edwards, which yes. I think is outstanding. Um, there's so many things. I think for a club, you know, we have to be realistic. There's the size of Shrewsbury. We're not a, a Man United, you know, for an argument's sake. But I think you'd be better to better to find a, a, a club better well run than this. Um, yes, we we. Um, we, we do everything within our means so the stadium's very nice and every year we try and make it a little bit better I'm looking at the pitch out the window now and it's coming on that had some renovation work done the training ground lights and so we always inch to trying to get better without being Roman Abramovich throwing millions at it or stupid money out because even teams in our league have done you know owners put in three, four, five million a year um, and it doesn't guarantee you anything other than potential headaches further down the line it's interesting, Ollie. We're going to talk about the salary cap and things like that in a little bit, and obviously that that comment comes into stark consideration there, I suppose. But um, if we were quite interested in talking to you about, you know, Sam Ricketts, the, the football manager, but also the person as well, a little bit, just to get a bit of background on you. And obviously, one of the questions we thought of asking was, you know, what's your timeline of a, of a match day at home? Say, so you know, starting in the morning when you get up, you know, what, what's the sort of routine for Sam Ricketts? Um, match day mornings, they're they're a funny morning. Match day mornings because you. You're sort of a little bit tentative, a little bit nervous. Um, even as a manager, you still are, because you don't quite know. You can do all the preparation you want all week. You still don't know. Players will still have good days and bad days. I'll have good days tactically, bad days tactically. And you just <laughs> kind of wonder, you know, obviously every game you, you want to try and win and you're hoping it works out accordingly. Sometimes you're still a little bit undecided. Should I play with that player or that one? Or he's got a knock, is he all right? Or you wake up some mornings. So say I wake up anywhere between half six, seven, say something like that. Generally, some days a bit early if we're training. The week be up at uh, up at six ish or so, mm-hmm. and then you might get a phone call or a text off the physio. Oh, so and so is ill in the night. <laughs> right, cheers. Okay, so you try and work out that a little bit. You have a little scout round, double check a few things, um, and eventually leave home. Spend not time with the family, but I'm actually at home for a morning of the week, which is quite That's rare. Good. So um, leave home uh, say about half ten. Uh, and then aim to get into the ground um, half 11, 12-ish, um, make a few phone calls if needed on the way in, get in, start analysing, just making sure is there any last-minute last minute news on, or opposition, you know, is there someone I know somewhere along the line I can try and get their team, or um, you try and just pick any last-bits information as, as any come out in the press on, on the opposition, double-check a few things with us, run over a few things within the staff, are we all happy? Okay, how's it going to run today? Run over um, scenarios. Well, what if we go one nil up with ten minutes to go? What if we're needing a goal ten mm. minutes to go? You know, different things like that. Just trying to make sure that you've crossed all the T's and dotted all the I's in, from a preparation point of view, because that's something I can control. Yeah. So yeah, after getting in here, half eleven, twelve. Normally there'll be some sandwiches or something like that, just to <laughs> have a nibble on. If there's an early game, stick that on in the background of the of the of the office, um, and then twiddle your thumbs and, and wish kick-off to come a lot quicker than it does. Do you still get nervous pre-match like you yeah. maybe did as a player? Do you, what do you feel more, did you feel more nervous pre-match oh. as a player or as a manager? I don't know, it, possibly worse as a manager mm. because effectively I'm, I've handed over control <laughs> um, and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it which is, as a player I was quite, uh, quite quiet um, not quiet but I wouldn't really get irate I wouldn't ever argue with the referee too much and mm. first this is my entering my third season now, so I'm evolving a lot myself and trying to get better. I won't say I've argued with the fourth official, I've had disagreements with them on numerous <laughs> We've times. We've seen a couple of times, haven't we? <laughs> but I need to try and lose that a little bit because that wasn't really me as my character, but that's because I, that's only one thing. I, my desire to win is such, and that's the only person I can... I can't yeah. be on the pitch, I can't make another run, I can't put a cross in, I can't... So I need to try and leave the fourth official alone because ultimately <laughs> it's not their fault, even though I 
some are good and some are bad and they tell you different rules every week that's what winds me up some will say I can't get involved with the referee some will say oh I can only make decisions in a 50 metre um, semicircle from where they're stood others say yeah I can help him anywhere so I'm like well just make your mind up and, um, so that frustrates me because you, you've obviously got a set of rules and just what are they sort of thing so yeah I try and um, I need to try and stay a little bit more composed as a, as a manager sometimes um, but that's just a will to win. I think probably supporters want to see a, a manager or coaching staff that um, want to win as much as what they do and care as much as what they do. So, so the game finishes. Do you normally hang around for a bit? Do you normally talk to the opposition manager? Yeah, so the game will finish, go in, have a quick debrief with the players. Although that's like a stereotypical thing with, with football, really. And I've heard some managers who don't really do it because it's like, well, you know, you wouldn't, at the end of a business day, Sometimes you have a review, but you're probably better off reviewing on a Monday or the, the following day. So, but I think we're all in that train of players as well that they like a little bit of feedback straight away because then they walk out happy or they walk home unhappy. Or um, so we have a bit of a review, come down, have just have five minutes in the coach's office, and then obviously press duties start. So then it will be going off doing the press. Um, depending on the game, that can take twenty minutes or forty-five minutes. <laughs> or, um, depending how the, the game's gone, obviously makes that um, how easy that is to do. Um, back in, normally the opposition manager, coaching staff come in, especially if you know them. But generally at this level, everyone comes in or yeah. at least pop their head in and say, "Listen, higher up you go, it's less so." Uh, then sit around for a, a little bit, have a little debrief with staff. That was good, or, or him, or you know, what what are we thinking. Uh, and then normally uh, go and catch up with the chairman afterwards as well. So we have that um, time as well every week where we have that time good. to discuss the game and um, win, lose or draw. We, he knows and I know we're only ever trying to win. So it's always just trying to, um, you're not, you don't cover up faults or negativity, but you're, you're also, you've got to look forward. Okay, what do we do? How do we do that? What, you know, and it's a, it's a nice time of the week to um, generally hopefully reflect on a win. Um, so we prepare for the next week and then you're heading home about what time? Um, heading home I can leave here anywhere between 6 and 7 say it's isn't it? yeah so, <laughs> it's match day yeah then um, you're getting home at 8, half 8 something like that and um, generally shattered you can be exhausted <laughs> on a match day you put so much effort and energy into the preparation then the 90 minutes just wipes you out the, the press and everything afterwards as well so um, it can be a long day and the last thing we're going to ask about is say we've won a home game do you actually give yourself time to sort of sort of celebrate that win or, or are you so driven and focused like you talked about that you're already thinking about what's next or is that Saturday night just a little bit of a time to kind of enjoy the fruits um, of your labour so, so to speak I don't think I've ever been one of to sit back and think yeah well done there that was, <laughs> that was good even as a player winning whatever game it was you, I think you get the enjoyment out of a job well done yep. that's what I get the enjoyment out of more as a player it would be to come back into the dressing room sit down and do you know what I've done alright here I've not let any of my teammates down and that was a big thing like a relief Sort of, sort of thing mm. as a player more than anything um, and probably a bit like that as a manager where you just want to have done your job well um, the biggest thing is seeing your ideas coming across in a team try on, on a regular basis as much as you can and then hopefully if you if you have good ideas and result in more wins than not and just like to finish off this section just interesting to know so like how soon would you look after look at the next game so we played on Saturday how quickly would you start analysing the game um, and then also like how much do you share with the players is it a lot a little do you guess you, some, some things you keep in your back pocket or yeah so just say we're just say we're playing away and I would say we're all on a coach now on the way home so one would be um, we'd start analysing that game there there might be some things I want to watch on or I'll pass that off to another member of staff go through that pick out good bits of that bad points of that anything you thought yeah I thought this so they'll start picking out that I would then 
probably instantly or between us start right who are we playing on Tuesday night what was their team today what was the game like did it, right, when are we getting that game or we should get that game by the substance and such right who do we have at the game right when are we getting that report and I'm, so nearly from that game get given a, a folder a dossier of the following game so maybe that night I'll start watching I don't like going more than a game ahead so it's a quick turnaround Saturday mm. to Tuesday so Saturday night maybe watch a little bit of the opposition, maybe their game before or the game before, or someone again who plays a similar system. Sunday, very much the same again. Uh, Monday, then trying to transpire it to the players. Like you said, is it a little bit of information or is it a lot of information? Depending on the opposition, depending if I think it's relevant, really, um, and what we think um, they need to know. Uh, sometimes players don't need to know a lot, sometimes <laughs> you can give them too much. Um, but in bigger games, whether that be a bigger league game or bigger um, FA Cup game as such, then I think they buy in a, not buy in a little bit more because they're fantastic players, but their concentration's a little bit more so that you can give them maybe a little bit more details because they're playing against possibly better players, so they're a little bit more, oh, how do I handle that situation? Well, you do it like this. So, yeah, it, and then it's holding stuff back uh, from the players unless we really need to. Yeah, because it's always, you always hear in people who read quite about football, you always hear people talking about, oh, yeah, that some managers don't give much play, they focus on themselves, and I guess it's about getting that balance, is it, between focusing on your own strengths? Yeah. And with kind I of think it probably depends on, um, as a team, what are your biggest strengths? What are your... Now, unfortunately, we can't all support a team or work for a team, manage a team, play any team that has the strength of being the best in everything. You know, you're talking a handful of teams there. So every team will have their strength. So if we're playing in opposition, what's their key strength? How do we stop that? Then what's our key strength? How do we use our key strength in this game coming today? You know, and then that leads into how bigger um, questions, I think we'll, we'll probably come on to later about tactically, how do you approach different games and looking forward, looking back. And, and it all comes down to strengths and what we feel we can do. Um, in every game, you say looking back now. I suppose it gives us a good chance to move on to last season, really. And um, you know, we met you in the summer last season with a, a lot of other fans. We reflected that on the podcast, didn't we? And, and it was really interesting to hear the plans and then the thoughts for what was going to come forward. But now you've had the summer really to reflect on last season. You know, what kind of targets in your head had you set yourself last season? And, and do you think you, you met your own expectations? For example, um, I think that last year was uh, overall. You have to say it was good. I think. And I know some people like it, some people don't like it. Coming, it's a bit awkward because that's how the season finished, really. Mm, yeah, because we ended up finishing fifteenth. You can argue on one hand, oh, it's the second best finish for however yeah. many years. You know that, and so yeah, that's, it has to be a good thing. It's not a, a bad thing. Then on the other hand, you think, well, some of our performances last year were, were very, very good. Some weren't as good naturally, obviously. Just coming up to Christmas, Blackpool away. Yeah. I'm sure you, you might well have been there. Win the game one nil, I think. Coming away from that, I have an idea in my head. We were three points off second, something Ridiculous, stupid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it wasn't. We weren't sat in the dressing room after the game, thinking, "Well, how have we got it?" I can promise you, everyone in that dressing room was thinking, "Yeah, we 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 fully deserve to be here, and we're, we're obviously looking up." Yeah. Now, with that, then became the Christmas period, the FA Cup runs. Um, and then from that Christmas period right until the end of February, we had two games a week, and, and we struggled with it in terms of. Playing for argument's sake, we had Bristol City away, where I thought we put in such a good Shift. performance. That was a good game. And then obviously Bristol City at home, again another top performance. But around the league games, around that we struggled. We had international friendlies, which uh, sorry, not international friendlies, they're international break games, which have been put into this period. And we struggled from the real high of a Bristol City to the following game, a real high of Liverpool here, and then a Gillingham away on a Wednesday. Mm. And we struggled with that mentally as well as physically. 
you know, the, the different contrasts in games. Um, and our league form really suffered in that period. And it was frustrating for, for everyone involved. As soon as we came out of it, we started having a few um, free weeks coming into the games. The performance level picked up again. Uh, obviously beating Doncaster here. We went away and beat Bristol Rovers. Oxford game here was probably you know, the, the last game we played. It was arguably one of the best halves of football we had played up until the referee sent in Josh Beller off. Um, <laughs> and you could start seeing so us coming back in again, really. So on one hand, I think we, we've made really good strides. We became a team that was hard to beat. So if you look at the teams that went up, Coventry only lost three games all season. We beat them. We beat Portsmouth, we beat Sunderland. Uh, we beat Peterborough. You know, there's not a side that we had to fear or we didn't um, or we couldn't compete against. It was just the regularity of, of doing it, really, and, and that's where we have to improve on um, next season. So an awful lot of good, tinged with a little bit where so I thought we at least deserve to finish fifteenth, if not higher. And fifteenth, yeah, you know, you can look at it one hand, like we said, it's the second best finish for thirty years, but also it isn't like I don't think as fifteenth. I think, yeah, well done. You know, and maybe you should. I can't believe that way because I don't go into any season trying to finish 15th. Yeah. It's not where I want to be. Regardless of what's gone before, you want to be higher. You want to be pushing. And um, and, and so that's where it, it twinges with me a little bit. So my desire to, to improve is, is definitely there. And I think you, you've mentioned that some people don't like that because we, we talked about that meeting last summer and you obviously probably see a little bit of what fans are talking about. And I think I it's, it's, Well, good, because I'm about <laughs> to mention it. But I think in, in terms of fans, I think it was... You're right, at Blackpool away, we were buzzing when we left that ground. Everybody was. And you, you, had, were, you had that yeah, thought that the playoffs weren't that far away. And I think really the league form, you, you're right, is when, when we dropped away as the season went on, it was almost a case of we are better than this in some respects. Yeah. And, and, I completely and that's what gets frustrating yeah. for you, me. We're all watching the same game. And obviously we had really disappointing nights here, Tramir, Accrington, and the games yeah. were kind of not over because we got back into them and then, but it's like a few early goals and we're in that little bit where the players, and, and everyone really was a little bit of a lull from the FA Cup, a little bit of fatigue and, and everything like it. But we have certainly had the potential to be better than what we were mm. on, on those days. And, and that's what gripes with you because the league's that tight that just say you turn and win those two games. And it's disappointing to get beat at home anyway, but <laughs> to lose those games like we did... Yeah. Um, last kick in one game after finding so hard to come back in it we had chances to go and win the game 3-4-2 and four two, um, but didn't take them you know, it, it, it wrangles with you and it wrangles with me as much as it does with you okay. Okay. Can you, you moved on to an obvious question because obviously that kind, of, that kind of period was such a pivotal part of our season um, you mentioned fatigue mentally and physically what would think was the significant reason for, for that kind of slum is it what you think you said already or was it other things as well uh, there's a few little things around that period really um, the big one was just the amount of games we were we were playing, and you, you can't really underestimate the players, the media attention that comes with the FA Cup games. Particularly Liverpool, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The Liverpool. The Bristol City was a good one, but then Liverpool took it to obviously to another level. The game here and such a performance level here, I actually thought we deserved to win the game, let alone draw it. Would have been amazing. Um, I think we, we should have done the chances we had first half, yeah. and obviously the goals. We ended up we'll do it over on aggregate. We lost three two. They scored one, and we scored four goals for them. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, that as well as a little bit of we lost Ryan Giles in January, which was a disappointment because Gilo was a, a he'd become a really good impact player for us, bringing him on for the last half an hour of games. He just had that energy and speed to, to really open the game. As the game opened up a little, a little bit, we, we threw him on and, and he won us some games um, coming on and, and losing his speed and dynamic going forward. Um, we just lost a little edge, which you know can swing games for you, um, mm. as well as the all the other aspects we were talking about. 
And, and you know, we talked about that, that trickier period there, which maybe maybe cost us a better finishing position. But obviously, there were still highlights last season. Obviously, we just talked about Liverpool and that performance. But you know, f- for fans, a lot of people look at that performance and that two-two draw. But what for you was your highlight of last season? It could be something personal about the, the, the work job you've done, or was, is there a specific result that you were really pleased with? I don't know. Um, I don't know, to be honest. With you. I don't really <laughs> reflect like that. I just think reflect as a whole. Okay. Now you would say that you, you get. Um, I think. You know, look at the size of us beating Sunderland here mm-hmm. is a great result. Um, Peterborough, it's always nice to beat them. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the, the Bristol City away was very, very good performance. Really good. We, I, I felt like we we started hitting like championship level performances for a while, and then when we come off them, when we come off them, we kind of fell off them a little bit. And, and that's why this league's quite hard because we we go from playing teams that do play football to a sense. So then we played Liverpool here one extreme to another this is but Liverpool at home or any team who like to play football and then we went to Gillingham on the Wednesday night you know two days in between it where with all due respect is tin hats you're putting on and you're just getting bombarded for, for 90 minutes and it's hard to set a team up to be able to handle both all the time um, not just completely one style and that's where we have to try and uh, maybe impose ourselves a little bit more uh, as and when we can so that we can try and control the game I think last year we controlled the games really well without the ball um, and I think that was a strength of us at the time. Um, lots of positives, brings negatives as well. Now, can, can we try and control the game a little bit more with the ball next year, which again will add it, aid us in some areas and it will hinder us in others, mm. but um, we have to try and get that uh, maybe options as much as anything yeah. to take games more to some teams. Without going off on a huge tangent, it's interesting <laughs> that the teams that were successful in the playoffs were not teams that necessarily played football as much. Northampton's quite a direct team, and I don't think there's ever been a team that's direct as Wickham in terms, <laughs> of, in terms of where they play and how many goals they get from set pieces. And yeah, it's interesting in terms of it's harder, I guess, to. I guess Coventry played really, really good football and they were successful, but it's hard to get that balance. Yeah, Coventry were good last year, to be fair to them. You know, I don't know if you were at Wickham, we dominated the game, but we went there when they were right in, yeah, a, in a really good area. We lose the game one nil. You can't say you shouldn't do, but we did enough to win the game. Where people ringing me up after the game, actually Coventry phoned me a couple of weeks later because they were playing them. They rung us saying, "How did you lose that game? We've just watched <laughs> it back. They copied our exact tactics, went there and won four nil or something like that. It was a four one something something like that. So on one hand you go, "No, yeah, got everything right. Everything was right. We just didn't win the game. And we kind of failed that way a few times last year where we just didn't win the game yeah. for whatever reason. A final shot, a final pass." And ultimately, it comes down to, to scoring goals. It brings on to one of the next questions, actually, which is really good. You know, that, that Wickham example is quite a good example of a game which kind of maybe covers this point a little bit. Because, you know, one of the things, again, we've sit here and we watched all the games this season, and goal scoring tended to be an issue in games. And you talk about we haven't quite won the game, we simply weren't putting it in the back of the net enough. The defence was solid pretty much the whole season. You couldn't really pick a fault with any of them. And obviously, Aaron's worked, walked, walked away with the Player of the Season award. But, you know, we have some excellent attacking players, Cummings and Wally, you know, probably some of the best players in the division. So, I mean, it was probably frustrating to you, but what did you put that element down to? Is that because of your tactical approach, or was it just we were a bit unlucky in games, or is there a bit of everything involved? Um, just a little bit of everything, to be fair. I think if you look at um, the way we played, we had chances. We didn't have always a bundles of chances. We had good chances in a number of games and didn't take them. Now, that's mm. obviously going to happen. I think if you look at the way we played last year, it was very similar to Wolves um, in in, a, in an aspect of it, in terms of setup, how we um Portrayed the game, whether you go three-four-three or you put um, three-five-two, whichever way around you want to do it, and yet they only win the game by a non-goal. But they just have that little bit where they they have the ability to keep winning the game by a one-nil or two-one. They're never high-scoring games, and we were just 
either drawing when I think we could have won um, or losing when well we didn't really deserve to lose we just didn't quite get that element right and, and that's where we kind of like tinkered with it a little bit just before the lockdown yep. um, our defence when I first came in I, I didn't feel we were solid enough I didn't feel I felt in any game we were quite easy to score against I can remember here I think um, Charlton I don't think went forward like they were going to score they had decent players same with Luton I was thinking we've got to shore the, the back line up to make sure we're safe and hence bringing in Roshan we went to yep. three at the back and then last summer we brought in P and we brought in Ethan and you started thinking hold on we're a decent side in our defensively build from that and I think it took us a while so now we, we've we've done the three at the back and I think we've always got that as in our system now we can always go three at the back whenever we want to we've worked it we know what it is it can be very beneficial there are times when I think we need to be a little bit more possibly front foot and we we obviously tinkered that way going 4-3-3 just before lockdown and you can see the advantages that brought for us um, it will expose the defenders so we may end up conceding one or two more goals but if it means we end up scoring ideally another 20 or 30 goals then That'd be nice. obviously you take it and, and that's <laughs> what we have to do is um, pick and choose the, the games where do we think we can be the ones in control of this game and be really front foot and ultimately do we have the players who can score goals because if you want to be really offensive really front foot say like a Liverpool but if they didn't have Mo Salah and Mane who were going to score goals for them then they wouldn't be winning games if they had lesser players in those areas you know, would they play the same? probably not because they'd get beat so mm. it's, if you're going to be really front foot and really attacking make sure you have people in the team who, who get you 15-20 goals Cool well, yeah, probably, I'm sure we'll come back to tactics and looking ahead when we talk about next season uh, but an interesting question for us as fans how important is ent- entertaining the fans on your list of priorities as a manager? Um Believe it or not, I do actually think it's, um, it is important. My ultimate thing is I have to win games, otherwise I'll be out of a job. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, sometimes it wrangles between the, the, the two. Ultimately, I think if you win, generally be happy, but we always want more. So you win, can we win in style? Can we? And even as a manager, there's me talking earlier about arguing with a fourth official. Generally, it's because the games are that tight. You know, we if I'm two nil up, three nil up, and he puts up five minutes in due time, <laughs> don't worry about it, mate. It's not a problem. But <laughs> if we're one goal up and he puts five minutes up. You know, so we want to get to that point where you've scored one, two, three, four, five, whatever it is, and we can all sit down and, and relax and watch the game a little bit easier. And, and obviously, with that, then comes the entertainment. Mm. I felt with players, there was never a time last year, um, or not enough times anyway, really, where we went one nil up, two nil up, and then you can see the players will relax and they'll be able to play a little bit more expansive football. And it was never me inhibiting, but it's, it's that. Um, getting them relaxed enough to, in order to do it. I've done it as a player. You go one up, two up, and all of a sudden you start moving the ball quicker and everything looks far better. It's a bit of confidence. Mm. Oh, we're two up as a team now. We never actually got there last year. We never won a game by more than an odd goal, apart from I think an FA Cup game and, and one, one or two others. But we never won a league game two and three nil, which is when you really get to see that enjoyment factor come out in players because yeah. they want to win as much as we do. So they're fully concentrated, don't want to make a mistake right up until the last minute. So... Um, ideally we want to win and win in, in some style so that, that everyone's happy and, and ultimately entertainment is an area where you know, I have to make it entertaining but I have to win games as well and, and maybe we're now getting to the point where we flipped into that 4-3-3 the games will become more entertaining there will be more goals but I just think now hopefully we're good enough that we'll be, we might win a game 3-2 because we're now capable of scoring goals mm. we're now capable we won't be shipping threes and fours every game um, 
So that's where we're trying to get to, certainly. And I think fans, obviously, we, we focus on goals as fans, in all honesty, and you know, we, we, we're sensible enough, I think, and a lot of fans are to see that defensive solidity and the, the credit and the crop, crop pride we have in that of our football club being hard to knock down. But you know, last season in the league, we were going at less than one goal a game, and I think it is sometimes where fans will latch onto some sort of stats, and it just kind of hangs around there. But at the end of the season, obviously, we were going a little bit better than that. And if you know, when we get to that, if that's where we're moving forward to, I think everyone will be quite excited listening to this. So, well, listen, yeah, that's, what we're, that's what we're trying to do, and I think mm. last year we. We invested and it was heavily in the back line. Obviously, you can see the, the players. I said they were signed Pierre, um, Ethan, you know, as well as some others as well. And then this year we're saying, right, okay, we're we're solid there. So now can we um, can we go and recruit some attacking players and, and really try and beef that side of the of the team up, um, you know, and try and be a, a real front foot aggressive team, which ideally no one wants to play against. I'll ask the next one because you can ask oh, the one on, after because yeah. you enjoy asking <laughs> that one more. Um, so is there any one player that you couldn't get in last season um, that could have made a bit of difference? And if, there, if Can you say who it is? If you Yeah, so I think it probably came out anyway, to be fair, eventually. that In the January thing, we had a chance or thought we had a chance to get Will Grigg. Mm. And I think that was the one that turns those games. He's a goal scorer. So he's the one which, you know, he might only get two or three chances a game, but he might score you two or three goals. And that's why we were so um, keen to get him. Um, and it was very, very close to getting done. It was the one which, coming down to transfer deadline day, there was him. You know, we were also trying to get Greg Dock back, you know, and a few yeah. different things like that. And we were really trying to use that. Don't forget, this isn't too far off Blackpool now. No, no. We'd just played Bristol City, got through them. I think we'd just played Liverpool. And everything's like, come on then, let's, come on. You know, front foot, we, we can finish this season and do it really well now. And, and unfortunately, we couldn't get those off. And I think that's probably what was needed in January to really take that step. And it wasn't through, it was no lack of effort by the club. Mm. Let me assure you of that. It's just. That's in the pecking order of some respects, isn't it? Unfortunately. Um, yeah, not so much that. To be fair, that was like Sunderland who stood in the way. The player wanted okay, to come, fine. we had done everything. Um, so we were, we had done everything we could. And that was the frustration for everyone involved um, that that wasn't the case. And I think that was probably what would have taken us on. So that was. that alone? It would have yeah. been alone, yeah. Um, those January signings can work really well. You know, you look at when yeah. we got Tyrese in last season and the impact he had, and yeah, maybe that's another one of those things we can look back on as fans and think we were just that one or two signings in January away. And yeah, and we'd also lost it. Ryan Giles in that time, yeah. so we were trying to replace him. We're trying to get him back on transfer deadline day as well. Um, so we went from maybe getting those three. So if you had, for argument's sake, a Gilo and a, a Griggy and a, and a mm, Doc. It makes a, a big difference, doesn't it? And, and I think that's probably what the team needed at that time was just that energy coming in. And I think all teams that really do well second half of the year generally, they sign a couple of players in that January window that yeah. come on and take the team on again. Is so much as anything, it's like walking into any workplace. Cool, there's a new person in there. Cool, they're good at their job or something like that, and it brings everyone with you. So yeah, we we were certainly trying to do something. Yeah. Interesting. Well, that was the question I was going to ask about Will Grigg, so we'll move on from that. I mean, before we move on from this season and have a look forward uh, to what's going on, I mean, the last question, I suppose, really is, what's what's the one thing you'll probably take away from last season as a a learning exercise? You're obviously still relatively new into your career. Is there something from last season that has crystallised in your mind about something you'll probably keep doing differently now or not? Um, Yeah, I think you're always trying to analyse the league and what works in this league. So, it's probably coming down to that really when can we take more control of games okay. um, like I said we've we done it without the ball are there times where and I think the, the league there's a, quite a lot of difference so we did really well against the teams towards the top of the league mm-hmm. and we struggle sometimes funny enough with teams more towards the bottom for one reason or another so how do we go and dominate those games how do we go and win those games and, and that that's what makes a difference really in terms of the points in the end um, and going about that really and being that as the next level for 
for us as a club to, to take forward. So COVID gave everyone, yourself, your family, <laughs> a lot of free time. Um, did you watch many of the games back? Is there much that you did? You watch all the games back? Is there anything particularly? No, I didn't you watch saw? all the games back. I watched bits back, and I believe it's all in my mind anyway. Sort of that, in, mm. you know, this is my job. It's also my life as well. So um, even my little boy will say, "Dad, can you put something on TV?" But it's just not football. Um, <laughs> and as much as he likes football, but that's literally all I watch. We don't watch. There's nothing else on the TV, mm. um, and that isn't just watching Premier League football. It's watching. Um, League One football and players generally as much as anything. Okay. Um, so spend an awful lot of time um, doing that, planning, analysing, like we're saying there. So if we are going to change shape slightly or try this other system to go alongside, so we can match between the two at any point. Um, you know, how do we do it? What are the key details for the players to coach them? How do you coach it? Uh, what teams do it? You know, what players do we need to do it? And then it changes the whole recruitment structure. So. A few sentences there is probably a good few weeks, months' work. And you did? Did you get manage to get a bit of a break this summer? Because obviously, you know, football can be quite intensive. Obviously, yeah. COVID, we've all been on lockdown, so probably not been able to go away. But do you feel a bit more recharged over this summer, or has um, it been quite stressful, like most people are feeling? No, I wouldn't say stressful. I don't really get too <laughs> bogged down in not being able to go out, or it doesn't really worry me that too much. Um, not been away, but then you're, you're working as well. It's different working at home. You're analysing and finding doing presentations and getting clips from all the types of games mm. to show players when we come back in. It's also, we never knew when we were coming back in. So you're planning for the season to restart, right, how are we going to restart, you know, the physical, da-da-da-da-da, everything else, they're right then, finally, finally, right, we're not playing again. At least that was like a line drawn on the, right, good, right, now we can finally put that season to bed, now we can look for next season. And then it's like, well, when are we starting that one? <laughs> <laughs> and that keeps changing. So you end up planning pre-season seven, eight, nine, ten times, as well as always chasing players really potential targets recruitment structure but also the finances of the club in football in general how does it look how does it change salary caps now come in um, you know which, which all has such a big bearing on everything but yeah it's been nice to get back to actually coaching players again um, but also whilst you're doing all the other things of, of a manager who um, who I like to have my fingers in all the pies. Sounds <laughs> like you don't stop. No, I don't. <laughs> it's, uh, football, uh, people, people often talk about football obsessives, but it's nice to know there's one of them running your football club because it makes you feel a bit more like every eye <laughs> will be you know, dotted and every T will be crossed sort of thing. But um, another, another question we've been talking about a lot on the podcast is, you know, as fans... Potentially, we're going to start this season without you know the blue and amber army here. You know, we're not going to have the, the South Stand waving the flags. We're not going to have Block 19 and the West Stand making a noise. And um, by the way, the flags—I love the flags. Yeah, they're great, aren't they? It's yeah, been a real good addition, and yeah. the whole safe standard thing's been fantastic yeah, really hasn't it, to the football club. I know you've been really positive about it and support it all the way through. But you know, we've got we've got three thousand odd fans that want to come every week, and it's not going to be possible. So, is there anything about how you will approach those games differently without? You know the fan noise and and that, or is it such a professional job and the guys are focused on their jobs? It's the same or not? Um, no, it won't be the same. As much as you tell yourself to be the same, and um, it, there there will obviously will be an element of difference because the support and I know it's a bit generic probably, and, and everyone does it, and and I write you know it, the importance of the supporters, but it genuinely is. Mm. You know, it isn't just um, something which gets said. It generally makes a huge difference. The supporters being behind the players, pushing them on, encouraging them. Um, when the game's going well it's brilliant I've always said that's like us giving back to you sort of thing but when the games aren't going as well or players are having a bad time or we're losing and, and the supporters get behind the players that's like when we really need you and, and that's why it, the relationship works so well um, but uh, yeah there, it will be an element of difference certainly how and what I'm not entirely sure because we haven't done it yet 
if you're looking at the, the Premier League, you can see the sides who really wanted to, um, who were quite expansive, um, probably ended up doing quite well. So Brighton ended up doing quite well because yeah, they if they gave a ball away, they didn't really have 20,000 people out and moaning at them. It was just like <laughs> the manager going, all right, don't worry about it, do it again. All right, then, yeah, because no one's booing me. Yeah. Um, so maybe there's an element of that. Real high-pressure teams, even Liverpool, did they come off it because they won the league or was it just because the intensity, the atmosphere, what they like to play under had gone, so therefore they, they lost their edge. Mm. But their um, results are never the same until they played us in the FA Cup. <laughs> yeah, you ruined them, Sam. There we go. <laughs> Gave everyone tactically what to do, didn't we? <laughs> ruined the, the illusion. Um, yeah, but yeah, there will be an element behind it. I think if you're, um, in the words of Jurgen Klopp, as we're talking about him, I think if you are rock and roll like he is, or high metal, or say heavy metal when he came in, yeah. I think you need the supporters, the fan base, everything behind it. If you're the symphony, which he, which he said was Arsene Wenger, I think it probably doesn't really make any difference if supporters are there or not. Probably okay. it helps you. Do you think they'll change the players' nerves or in the dressing room? I think certain players who maybe get inhibited, you have always, there's always really good players who are really good in training, never quite as good in the game, or other players who are just really good in games and useless in training. <laughs> <laughs> which, which way would you prefer? Oh, good on a game. Always, <laughs> always good on a game because no one sees them when they're scoring goals or playing really well in training. Mm-hmm. Um, because it must have it must have an impact if you're coming out of the dressing room and you can hear the fans yeah. and also the busyness because a football game is such a it's an entertainment thing but there's just so many people about to come out especially obviously Shrewsbury's going to be an impact you've got six, 7,000 people here sometimes a thousand and away, half, fans, away yeah. fans making a noise and obviously if you're playing the Emirates whatever, you've got 60,000 but there must be a psychological impact of not having those people there that pressure Huge. like imagine if you're yeah. doing your work and you're doing your planning and you've got 20,000 people watching you oh he's done a mistake in his Excel <laughs> I don't have like a boss watching me so I don't, I don't want about 20,000 people to be honest with you but yeah I, I think you, you're probably right aren't you Ollie there's a, there's a psychological change to but I suppose it's just, the players are going through the same as everyone else in the world at the moment you know we're all working from home it's a different environment isn't it and everyone's having to get used to that new normal and I think it's a case of you're right maybe the, the teams that do well this season might might be the ones that adjust to this new normal the quickest, Sam. I don't know yeah. what you think about that. Um, possibly, but then hopefully, you know, we, if we're, we're still on track with the, the October return of supporters, mm. then I like to think we'll get That's back to on. the majority yeah. of the season, then we'll be with supporters. Yeah. Um, it's one of the advantages of having a stadium we don't fully use. We can all socially distance <laughs> ourselves. Okay, There's been times where it's been socially See, distance. Someone's always thinking ahead, <laughs> wouldn't they? Always thinking ahead. Uh, dear. Yes, OK. I mean, yeah, a COVID essay yeah. is, is going to be tricky and it'll be something we'll be covering on the podcast in terms of when we can get back, won't it, Ollie? But yeah. um, it's going to be interesting. I suppose we're talking about new, next season now, aren't we? And um, it's probably worth us just reflecting on pre-season. I, I saw you did a, a quick interview with the media this week and put that out there. But, you know, we're, what, two weeks into training now? How do you feel those first two weeks have gone? You know, you give it a rating out of 10 or something that's something yeah no it's gone really well uh, if you want to give me rate it I'll give you eight, an 8 or 9 <laughs> okay, out of good. 10 so it's, it's good it's gone really well um, dealing with all the circumstances we're under so you can't do what you would normally do for the first week or two you're all socially distancing um, but the idea at the minute is the players all no footballer would ever have three or four months off from playing football you know it, it never would have happened from when mm. you were a kid to now so we have to be very very careful about injuries picking back up so how quickly you can start getting balls, players striking balls. It might be all right for a day, two days, three days, but at some point, if you just went flat out like that, then they will end up pulling muscles because they're just not ready to do it. Mm. Um, so just trying to ease them back into that, really, and, and trying to do it as gradually as as possible, um, as quick as possible. That's the the balance you're always trying to um, to meet. So there's always an argument, well, do we do this with the players? Do we push them more than, than like the average, say? Yeah, but then you're risking injuries. Well, you know, I've got kind of 
you're, you're balancing acts mm. all the time so um, we're, we're trying to do it as, as quickly as we can as safely as we can Is that getting feedback from the players as well? How, how they feel yeah, so the, the players have to fill in a, a report at the end of every day as to um, their rating of that trainer so like usually if they're out of 10 okay, what do you rate today at? And then we, we gauge it off that and then they have a report in the mornings how, do you, how did you sleep um, how are your energy levels today what soreness have you got in your body um, rate your soreness out of, out of 10 and, and all all things like that so we try and gauge them where they're at so, well he's really struggling with his hamstrings today so he was going to do that part of training well let's change that because I don't want him pulling his hamstring mm. and then the next day oh his hamstring's a little better right we'll go back into that then today because we were like yesterday um, and that takes a lot of time as well because you're trying to work different energy systems and different muscles on alternate days so you do short areas one day and do large areas the next day because they work different systems so as, okay. one, as you work one the other's recovering and then vice versa and vice versa again um, and that's a way to quite speed up mm. the um, the days, so strength days and resistance days. Do you think the play? Because if you, you know, if you're a player, you're not going to necessarily put a low rating. Let's get a game coming up. You may not start. <laughs> Do you think the players are quite honest on that? Then is that something that's just I guess the culture of the yeah, players? Yeah, that's where different, we though? we have to um, make the players understand. This isn't a test. Mm. This is a genuine thing. Now, if you have a uh, something, then work with us. We're, all, we're, we're football's changed now. This isn't. I'm not a dictator how I was brought up with and you would never say anything other than, yeah, I'm good. Now, they might tell me that because they would never want to say to the manager, oh, I'm, I'm a bit tired today, but they might mm. tell the physio who then can make sure, all we're trying to do is not get injuries. Yeah. But it's a fine line because I know as a player, if anyone has said to me, oh, I'm fine, thanks. Footballers want to play, don't they? I read yeah. Dave Edwards' book, I don't know if you've read it, but the amount of times in Dave Edwards' book is he obviously had a fair few injuries in his time at Wolves, didn't he? And he was, would often be saying to him, I, I knew I wasn't maybe 100%, but desperate to play at Liverpool, desperate to play in all these places. And, yeah. uh, you know, you've, you've got to kind of trust your players to be honest, I suppose, at some times. But don't, don't we had a, a huge amount of injuries last year? We no. also Norbs had his bad one, didn't he? No, but, we, had a few, we had a few soft issues. Like yeah. We picked up um, Josh Laurent in pre-season, which was annoying yes, last year, and we missed him at the start. They made a few niggles throughout the year. Not too bad, but mm. still, I'd, I'd like less. Okay. Yeah, we had a, we missed a few midfielders in the start. Yeah, we'll yeah, we did. Yeah. yeah. And and pre-season obviously is normally impinged for us fans around pre-season games, which we won't be attending. So it's not really a bit of an issue this season. But um, you know, we're less than a month away from the start of the season. I'm assuming you know you don't have to say where or when, but I'm assuming we've got some pre-season friendlies lined up. And we will do. Yeah. Now there'll be we'll be playing soon, like in house amongst ourselves. We'll be playing obviously um, opposition. Okay. It's just trying to really um, piece it all together and, and in these times now it's like we have to get clearance to play games testing are we tested are they tested where are we doing it oh, yeah. you're turning up in kit you're just playing and going again um, so it, it's different and um, you know you get advised not to tell supporters where you're playing because they don't want everyone turning up but at the same time you know you, you're just treading that fine line all the time because you don't want to just be closed house for long we're not telling you what we're doing because <laughs> yeah. it's not it seems to be across the board or sort of from the podcast you, we follow quite different people who are like who are like neutral journalists and they're all saying no one seems to be saying friend, playing friendly so everyone seems to be doing that so it's not just yeah. us and on a lot. Saturday it's like oh Peter played this team and yeah. the, the Peter fans people have played it, two so. games already exactly yeah, yeah they were back in very early yeah. Um, yeah, they brought everyone back off early, furlough very early as well. So. They're still all pretty angry about how it ended, no doubt. So <laughs> yeah. they'll, be, they'll be ready to try and uh, rectify that wrong, uh, that wrong, won't they? Um, I suppose, yeah. In terms of, uh, would you want to talk about signings, Ollie? What, what we've done so far? Yeah. Um, so we've signed three players so far, um, and you mentioned already we're quite well stocked in certain areas. Kind of what positions, or what positions, or yeah, what positions are kind of your priority areas for the rest of the window? Um, I wouldn't want to say what position-wise. I just want to say 
we are looking to add real quality to to the squad. Um, and I think we it's taken a, a long time. Football is one which you know, 18 months I've been here and it's taken like that time to kind of get where we've got a nucleus of what I think is a, a very good squad now. Now obviously we're trying to add to it but it takes time to get to the point where we've got 17 lads under contract and then we add a few to it, renew a few and yeah. and it takes um, now that little bit to say, right, we've got a decent squad, let's try and add some real good quality into it. So we're a little bit in terms of, there's a few key areas which I know we, we really want to go and improve the, the starting 11 in and there'll be other areas where probably just need to bolster the squad numbers a little bit and then um, also it's a little bit of what players who realistically can we get I know who I want to sign I want to sign him in and him but mm. so do however many other clubs so if someone for whatever reason thinks we can get a bit like we took Josh Vella in January so I think Josh Vella everyone will see this year what a very very good player he is but mm. we had an opportunity to take him in January it wasn't necessarily where we were desperate for him in terms of his position but for the club to sign him like they have done is a, a very, very good bit of business. Yeah, Josh Vellis is interesting because we haven't really seen no. uh, much of him. I, didn't, I wasn't actually at the game where he got sent off either. Um, it's been holiday or something. Um, what <laughs> holiday? Kind of play- What's one of them? <laughs> what, what kind of player is he? Where, why does he, is he a deep line player? No, Josh Vellis is probably a, a, he's just a real good all round midfielder in terms of he okay. can drop deep and come and get the ball. Um, I wouldn't say he's a particular playmaker but he's very comfortable to come down and, and get the game started as such um, at Bolton he's one promoter out of this league playing just off Gary Medine as a 10 um, although I wouldn't really say I think he was in terms of football talk I think he's an 8, an eight he yeah. can do a bit of everything high energy very very good on the ball like I said he's got promoted out of this league um, played higher up as well um, I think he's a, a very very good player at a good age who is um, uh, very determined to do very well and when you talk about recruitment, we've briefly mentioned the salary cap a few times, but say when you started to think about your recruitment, I don't know, six weeks ago before the salary cap thing was voted through, has that changed the way in which we're looking at certain players? Is there things that are now maybe more achievable or less achievable because of our salary cap? Um, not quite yet, if I'm honest. Okay. And the salary cap, I don't think, will really take effect this year because okay. it will be more next season. Because at the minute, this year... All pre-existing contracts have put a limit on. So yeah, just say yeah. Sunderland have got someone on ten grand a week this year for the ter- for the basis of the salary cap, they cast at seventeen hundred. Yep. So it will become more apparent next year when that ten thousand pound player is out of contract. So all of a sudden, what does he? Mm. You know, who do they replace him with? Um, so I think going forward, it will be a far um, more level playing field. Um, that's if it stays in. PFA want to challenge it. Yeah. Does yeah, it stay absolutely. in next year? Does it stay we didn't, in the year Because after I think there's that? so little details about the salary cap at the moment. We don't know how long it's going to last. Some people think it's only one year. Um, it's only for this year. I mean, no one knows. So there's a lot of unknowns about it because the EFL have not released any details. Mm. So yeah, standard. It's I would imagine it'd be longer than this year because they, like I said, they put that like limit in yeah. for this year. If you're earning more than that for this year. It's you're capped yeah. at this, mm. but next year it's less so. For Shrewsbury fans, the salary cap is just just stupendous. It's absolutely <laughs> amazing. Ipswich and Sunderland fans are less um, happy about it. <laughs> Portsmouth, Fleetwood, Portsmouth, Portsmouth. Um, yeah. there'll be an awful lot of stuff. Yeah. I mean, to, to us as fans, it's the, the primary aim of it is to try and stop some more football clubs going to the wall. Which, as a football man, you'll be disappointed to see stories like Barry and Charlton and things like that because yeah. we don't want to lose these clubs. But I think for us as a club, there is potentially, you know, we think there's potentially a benefit for us to be able to, you know, 
reduce that competitive advantage other clubs have got and we, we always look back and again it's before your time but you know obviously you saw what happened in the Paulhurst season we got to January we didn't quite recruit as well as Blackburn and Wigan and they ended up losing 14 million and 8 million pounds respectively mm. we posted a little bit of a profit and it's just things that I, for football fans really are starting to not sit very well with me as I get older into my 40s and I think that for me the salary cap kind of redresses that balance a little bit so yeah hopefully you've, you've still got space in the cap to do the business you want to do hopefully <laughs> were you pleased when it came in was it something you were quite pleased with or? um yeah, I think like you're saying for Shrewsbury, I think it, it certainly does help. Um, it does help us. It, like I say, it won't be this year; it'll be next year. I, I get a little bit like, well, why do these business people who own clubs? Mm. Why do they need telling what they can spend? Surely they've they've been successful in order to end up owning, running a football club. They've they've done something else along the way. Yeah. Why, when they come to run a football club, do they feel they can just go and blow money? I don't understand. Uh, I don't know whether really it should have been on a proportion of what you earn, mm. if I'm honest with you. If I, like we said there. They had that already, it was 60% of revenue, wasn't it? Yeah, so if that is the case, then how did Berry go under? Well, that's a, that's a very yeah. complicated story, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? Yeah, to exactly. Be fair. And, exactly. Yeah, you know, I don't really understand it. And no. then you get other teams which would be like, just say, us for argument's sake, we get into a cycle, I think we've got far more assets now that other clubs desire. Yeah, if they want it. them, come and buy them. Um, in which case, just say we sold a player for a million pounds. We wouldn't have the ability to go. Do you know what? We'll put another half a million into the um, into the salary because True. we're at that limit already. So I know there's other clubs who say, well, every year we sell players and that bolsters our our wage is what we pay out every year, and they won't be able to do it. So it's mixing it up, yeah. which I think is quite fun. We do we do a lot of, a lot of chat on our podcast about the ills of football, modern football, and all the things that are going wrong in the FL and. You know the fit and proper persons test, which isn't really a test, is it? So we could do hours on that with you, Sam, yeah, one day if yeah. you want to do that. But we're probably best to move on from it. Um, so yeah, we're looking at next season. We, we briefly talked about tactics, and you've talked about recruitment and things that you learned from last season. But you know, it sounds—I'm not putting words in your mouth—but it sounds to me like there may be some different approaches you've got in games. To me, we've obviously signed a winger, so it gives us the option to play with wingers that maybe we didn't have as, as probably as good as we will have this season. So you, you've got different plans maybe for this season to, to kind of evolve us, I guess. Yeah, I, I want to take the next step. Everything is a, a, um, you know evolution rather than revolution. So, mm-hmm. um, can we take that next step? We, we saw little glimpses of it towards the end of um, before lockdown, um, but now can we recruit into those and, and try and be a team um, very high energy, um, very front foot, uh, you know, um, very positive, very forward thinking. It will expose us a little bit more. Yeah. And ultimately, is can can we make it work? Now, if we can work it in this period now and in in the season then brilliant then we can keep doing it it's another string to our bow if it looks like we can't do it because we're not scoring enough goals or we're not winning enough games doing it then you know we've always got something else to fall back on um, but ultimately we, I do want to be um, uh, we have to score more goals if we, if, if I'm talking about 15th argue it being good or bad doesn't feel amazing for me even though it is still good ultimately we have to score more goals more goals win more games um, and it might be where we end up, I don't know, hopefully it doesn't happen, but we might lose a game 3-0, 4-0, but we, we might go. win a few games 3 or 4-0. So there might be a few good days and bad days along the way of doing it, but ultimately if it's if it's entertaining and can win games, then let's do it. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds, sounds like a good, good. plan. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, on, on recruitment, and so last year we saw Adam leave, Adam Henshaw into Doncaster. Um, does that have an impact um, on your match preparation and recruitment approach? Is it different with Adam going or is he even replaced? No, no. Um, so a lot of recruitment I do myself and I think that's something okay. which I like to do. Um, I've got an awful lot of contacts in the game. There's pretty much 
you know, I was looking at a player in Australia, and I thought, I wonder who I know there. Well, look it up. Oh, I know two of their lads who have been playing with the player, and then I end up knowing the manager. And <laughs> so you think, oh, that's you know, I'm fortunate enough. I've got a lot of contacts everywhere, and that's how I like to recruit. Really, is people's opinions as much as anything. Generally, people who work with people, then you, you know them far better than just watching them. Um, so recruitment, I'm heavily involved in. Everything comes through me. Every agent comes through me. Okay. Um, so I take that, which is why my phone can be non-stop all day, every day. Um, but then I like that because I'm in control because ultimately it's who we recruit is to who goes out on the pitch. Um, there is a big thing for having someone... I do have other people around as well, so I get hundreds of players thrown at me, so I pass off. If I don't know them, check this guy out, check this guy out, and then come back to me. Is that to your coaching yes, staff? Yes, yes, no. A little bit of coaching staff. I've got um, scout as well. Um, so it's, you're just trying to filter down the hundreds of players you get offered to the ones which will make a difference. And I think generally... You're not going to get every transfer right, but I think certainly um, in my time, certainly here and, and before that, I like to think I've got more right than wrong, which is all you can do. If Fergie says just get more right than wrong, which means tip the balance over 50%, then you're doing all right. And one one like of the questions I have for you about recruitment, and this isn't what we wrote down actually, which just made me think about it, is like for a long time at this football club, we, we didn't offer three-year deals. Is that been something that you've been wanting to see, to say, you know, I want to invest in these players for the long term and, and build with them, or is it maybe something that you know the, the chairman has decided is maybe better for our long-term strategy? Because we just never used to do it, and we've done quite a few under you. Yeah, no, I, th- I didn't know to be honest. Oh, okay, there you go. Yeah, it's, 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 we just never used to do yeah, three-year deals, risk averse. Yeah, so I, I like to do, depending on the age, we have to recruit into a profile so um, can we recruit 26, 27 and under generally can it be so we get players on the up so they come in perform yep. really well now they're either a real asset or we've sold them or you can regenerate the money um, I touched on it earlier I didn't think there was a lot of them in when I first came if I'm honest with you without sounding in harsh you can see the players who've left you know, I think there's only Bolts who went in at our level um, obviously Josh Laurent has left this summer and, mm. and gone in and done well but they're the only two that have gone and we tried to keep both of them but we couldn't do it because they took the next step in their career which is fair enough yep. um, but everyone else hadn't done that so now I'm getting to the point where if you start looking through our team now we'll get admirers from a minimum our league if not leagues above for mm. five, six players seven players which means we now have assets so, so when we're signing a Ricky Pike for, for instance say we've given he's got a three year deal because he's 22 years old so um we're giving him time. Is he the finish up call now? Definitely not. But I don't want to develop him for a year, similar to, say, our Josh Laurent, who yeah. then second year does really, really well. We're trying to keep him for the last six, 12 months of his contract. And rightly so, like anyone says, do you know what, I'm just going to hang fire here a little bit. We would be able to now go, actually, Josh, we've either got you for another year or we'll sell you now. So a bit like Ricky, really. And I've just used him because we've just signed him. Yeah. I'm not saying yeah, that. Yeah, no. yeah. You know, but I want to have that security and where a base what we're always working off. I think, so you've been here longer than me, and I, I don't like going back because we can only look forward. Yeah, I, yeah. I look back at that one, um, the year under Paul Hurst, and what a fantastic year it was, and the expectations for next year and everything. Mm. But the whole team was just decimated. Yeah. There was mm-hmm. no foundations in place whatsoever. Any yeah. player who was any good that year, with all due respect, either got sold or went to another club for a little bit or more money. Yeah, he was stars on loan. Yeah, and that's obviously the recruitment that Paul did was was very very good that year. Um, 
Because it's one thing I would definitely say, um, and we're not just saying this now, we've said it on the podcast before, the recruitment has been good. Yeah. So Sean um, Sean has been really good recruitment. Pierre. Pierre, brilliant. Fantastic player. Um, Cummings. Yeah, yeah. Cummings has um, hopefully got some potential, but some of the signings have been really good. When you do the analysis of the player, um, do you use data and do you use like kind of like some of the data on how many goals they scored, tackles, and all that kind of stuff, or is it just pure looking at the, watching the videos of them playing? It's everything. So you watch the videos. Um, you use data to an extent, although I'm very um, weary on data. They can it can push you in a direction. I'm, 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 I can be very data driven. Um, my mindset would be a, a bit like that, to be honest with you. But you have to be very very careful. So who do you compare them with? We've talked there about our tactics, how we played last year, how we might play this year. But so, I, how can I compare, just say, Jason Cummins to another centre forward? I get asked to do different jobs in different teams, so therefore the data will resemble that. Mm. So, you use it to an extent. Goals, yes. Are you a goal scorer? Are you not a goal scorer? Have you scored goals predominantly, or are you trying to pick up a Tom Eves who was here, didn't really score? <laughs> Somehow, the next season goes and scores 25 goals. You know, it's you know, the players will always do that, but also try and get a record of. Um, on players on certain level you look at injury record I do an awful lot on personality of players um, I do character references on them I bring out a big profile of all the players um, history of them in every aspect and really try and make sure we get the right characters because that's um, hugely important you, hopefully it comes across how close the players are um, as a unit when they're playing um, and as a squad in general and it isn't by chance that it, you know, so a lot of work goes into it I think that's a fair point. Actually, one of the things I, w- I would say from your time here is we've <clears throat> we've all seen a United team. You know, we've had teams where managers have lost control and players have been moaning at each other, and it's been difficult to see. But I think you know the unity does come across. I think that's a, that's a fair point to make. Um, and it is interesting on the three-year deals and, and the recruitment. Yeah. I, I find it just as fascinating as Ollie does to see how we do do our business in 2020. Um, so yeah, interesting. We talked about the salary cap. I'll move on from that. One of the other questions I had really was about we could talk about recruitment, but we've obviously got a youth system here, um, something that traditionally we've been very proud of as a football club, and obviously we've been bringing through some of the bigger clubs youth players over the last few years it's been good to see Dean Henderson and Doherty and, and, and a few of the other guys we've had on loan do well in their career um, but we've also got young lads like Ryan Sears Ryan Barnett and, and James Rowland particularly who've been in and around the first team and you know we kind of know a little bit about them then but how much well I suppose my, my question would be is you know we've got our youth system that ran last year are there lads in there that you think are maybe ready to make, make the next step you know maybe um, you don't have to name names you can if you want but you know who are you, who are you excited about seeing developing this season if I go back a step or two so the, the youth team in general the youth setup here is really really important for me but also for the club yes the club have produced you're going back Dave Edwards kind of goals and you know there have been players in the in, recent issues but in the right recent years there haven't really been any and that's something where um, David Longwell has been brought in and he's fantastic and the players will certainly come through but with the youth things it does take time because the 14 year old obviously needs to develop 15, 16, 17 16 year olds now coming in you know, and I'm 100% sure that we will get that stream of players coming through again um, and we need it we need that as a, as a club you want to see young players coming through your system playing I want it because I'm getting good players who eventually they might do a year or two and then we sell them and we get the use of them, we get the benefit of selling them and regenerating the money and everything with it. Yep. Um, we do have the, the the young lads now in and around it. If they're good enough, they'll play. Now that can be down to um, Barney, Dave Edwards, um, Brian Sears, Cam Gregory. You know, there, There's good players there. Yep. Um, little Charlie Caton who's been with us now from the back end of the last season and is, is in with us now in pre-season as well, 17 years old. 
because he's good enough to be around us. Um, doesn't mean he's good enough to play on Saturday, no, but he's good enough to certainly be around us and we have to keep his development going so that he will get an opportunity. If you're good enough at this club, you will get an opportunity to play yep. on the team. Um, like you said there, we've done it in the past where we've had loan players in from other clubs, we've developed them. Call that he need a good player, but then that's something you're trying to fill that void again. Mm. And that partly goes round to the longer-term contracts, having yep. our players, um, having our own assets. Um, so it's something which... Um, the club take very, very seriously and um, we're all in, in unison there and, and I work closely with Davey and Dave works closely with me that I know which young players are coming through, which ones he has high hopes for and we, we try and leave pathways so they do and will get opportunities in the first team and then it's up to them. Usually, if they perform well, yeah, they'll play. Usually it's the only way we see local lads, local players kind of playing for our team is the youth lad coming through but you know, now we've got Dave Edwards back, obviously Haribo going is just down the road in Ludlow isn't he and obviously Barney's a huge lad as well so it's nice to us to have those, that kind of local connection to our town and, and lads that grew up around, around here as well so yeah, you don't necessarily need to bring any to it at the moment because we've already got three so it's quite, <laughs> it's something we haven't really had as a football club so yeah, yeah, And nice. we haven't seen anyone really since Colin Dalton really and mm. we haven't really had anyone kind of cement themselves in the first team. Yeah, you, know, you need to play quite a few games. Would be yeah, the same era, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so okay, exciting to see. Everyone likes to see youth players come through their own yeah. team. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's about all the questions we've got. Is it Olive? We yeah, didn't miss anything. Just, <laughs> just I guess just a couple of questions with a couple of players. So, um, so like, what what can we maybe expect from Josh Daniels? He seems quite an exciting player in terms of he's finishes with two feet, both feet. Um, what can we kind of expect from him? Um, Josh is uh, obviously uh, allowed. We brought over. He's got something. Um, um, what he has got, and we talked about earlier, is his attitude is second to none, and that has to be a given. Same with like when we brought in Danudo last year. Mm. If you've got the right attitude, you'll always have half a chance. And um, and Dan did very well. And, and, and Josh is of the same ilk. He will give everything he's got to be a, a football and be and give us, um, you know. A, on, on match days he has ability obviously as well um, but it'd be one way he just needs to settle in settle into back into full time football settle back into playing um, but he also has that creativity about him and that eagerness and hunger to do well uh, with that attacking threat um, whether it be wide as a winger or in midfield I think he can play in a number of positions and um, I've seen that already in training even though he's only been in for a week uh, and he hasn't actually um done anything really since March so again a young player who we, we like to give people opportunities and, and chances as such and, and he ticked a lot of boxes and, and which is why we, we, um, we signed him Will he need to like get stronger and fitter I imagine fitness uh, obviously fashion football um, is going to be a little bit from part time where he was Yeah he's, a, he's, a, he's got high energy anyway so he'll, he'll run big distances and in games that will naturally come the robustness may be a little bit um, he can handle himself. He's played Gaelic sports, so oh, wow. um, he's, he's <laughs> tough. He'll get he's get used to getting kicked, and um, you know he's he can jump well aerially. Even though he's not the, the biggest in height, um, he's just a, a, a tough little a tough wee lad. That's good. Well, I have got one last question on the player, and I think it might be a nice place to leave this. But how much fun is it working with Jason Cummins on a day-to-day uh-huh. basis? Because you know we, we see what he's like in the media stuff he does for this football club, and obviously other clubs as well. And is a character like that really good to have as a, as a football manager? Yeah, he is. He's a um, he's a fantastic lad. To be fair, I did a lot of research into Jason before he came in because he does have a reputation, whether he wants it or doesn't want it. And you would have all seen it as well, and, <laughs> yeah. and everything else. But I, you know, I can't speak highly enough of him as a person. Um, he he lightens every day. To be fair to him, um, and he's a good player as well. Mm. You know, he, he he has a 
I don't know, stigma is probably a harsh word to be honest with you. He has a little bit where we're saying there that people have an, an opinion of him. I can only say he's been as good as gold since he's been here. Yep. Um, life and soul of, of, of an awful lot of things, which is which is important. Players love him and he's as honest as a day's long. So mm. when I talk about characters and what we look into, he's honest. If he's done, I'm not saying that he's done anything wrong, but if I say, Jason, did I just see you having a Mars bar? Yep. Other players might go, well, no, no, but he'll just say, yeah, yeah, we had it. And there's nothing wrong with it. I'm not saying you can't have it, but he's just a, a, a real honest lad who's great to be around, great company. Um, and, and hopefully we're getting him enjoying his football. Yeah, it'd be great to see him score a few goals for us this season. Yeah. Defo, Defo, I think that's probably the best place to leave. Yep. We've done an hour. We really appreciate your time, Sam. I know it's a busy time of the year for you to come and uh, spend an hour talking to us and hopefully uh, the rest of the fans that listen to this. But yeah, I suppose on our behalf, really, of the, of the podcast and the fans, is wish you best of luck for the rest of pre-season and into the season. And um, yeah, we go well and enjoy it. And yeah, hopefully we'll be back in the stadium cheering on a win soon, Ollie. What do you reckon? Yep, brilliant. Thanks for joining Cheers. us. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.